Yeah, appreciate the time. Obviously, want to talk about the album and the live stream and get your opinion on a couple of things. But uh, let's get going with the album number seven here, The Human Condition. And, you know, after learning a little bit about the album, I almost kind of feel like instead of nothing wrong with the name Human Condition, but I almost feel like you should have called the album Hodgepodge. Because it, yeah, really, right? it really sounds like it kind of was like a hodgepodge of some old songs, some new songs, some songs from a couple years ago. But talk about uh, putting this album together and using all these different parts and songs to put it all together. Yeah, you know, we have such a catalog of, of just like, even if it's not a full song, it's like riffs and, you know, the, the beginning of a melody, the beginning of a few lyrics. And we always just like record them or on our phone or on a laptop. And when it came time to put this album together, we were like, you know what? We know there's some great stuff that we've had in the past. Let's revisit that because no sense to just let it just sit around. So we kind of pulled up some of those old ideas and... um we continued to work on them, you know, and they came, they turned, they turned into songs. And then we took some songs of ours that were older, like 10 years older or more, and we just updated them a little bit because we just always listened to those songs. We'd be on the bus and we'd always pull up those old demos. And we were like, we always reference these, so why don't we just, you know, use these? And that's kind of what we did. I love it, man. And, you know, as far as the uh, pandemic with this all kind of timing, you were kind of already in process kind of when the pandemic and lockdown and everything already happened, right? Yeah, we started recording at the 1st of March and we were we finished at the end of March. So it was right at the top of the the U.S. pandemic, but right be- finished right before I think the majority of the lockdown started to happen. It was really bizarre because we were in the studio. We were, you know, in such a creative atmosphere. And then we're looking on our phones and seeing our tour dates go away and the world shut down around us. So I think subconsciously we kind of used that, our feelings towards that. We could, we put all that into the creative process of the album because we were like, well, we're at least going to have something to show for ourselves for 2020, you know? Yeah, something rather than most people are, are putting on the uh, 19, 20 pounds and working on their beer belly, at least it gave you something to focus on, a positive thing to yeah. focus on in 2020. You're exactly right. You know, one of the things I've always loved about you guys, kind of curious if it just kind of worked out that way or if it was kind of on purpose, but y'all can sing. All four of you can sing, and I feel like that's so rare in a band, but was that uh, on purpose or did it just kind of work out that way or develop over the years? But uh, I love that every one of you guys can sing. Thank you. I think, you know, early on when we first started, we would listen to, of course, the Beatles a whole lot, and we learned to sing, the four of us, um, together uh, with an acoustic guitar. Um, John Fred's dad, Richard, he plays with the Kentucky Headhunters. Right. He really helped us with that. I mean, he would set us down with an acoustic, because when you play with an acoustic, you know, you can't cover it up with, you know, electric guitar <laughs> or drums, you know, it's, it's bare bones. We would listen to some Beatles stuff and their four-part harmonies, and we would try to mimic that and, and replicate that, and then we learned how to sing off of each other and learn where each other's voices are best at, you know, uh, John Fred has a great falsetto. I can also sing pretty, you know, some higher stuff. John sings really great with Chris. So we kind of learned that early on, you know, those everybody's individual voices. And yeah, it's always been a part of what we do. Nice to have that uh, that guidance and, and uh, that, you know, that sage advice about learning how to pick out those harmonies from the Kentucky Headhunters and all that experience. And even that cabin, right, where you guys are recording the albums, it was originally their cabin, wasn't it? Well, that's our, our practice house. Yeah, it's a little farm shack out in the nowhere really and yeah they, they grew up there practicing in the late 60s in the 70s and 80s and then we took it over when our band started in 2001 and, uh, but we recorded the album our bass player john built a studio that is literally almost the same type of vibe a little studio in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere ah. and um yeah so we had a great time doing that and uh, you know we, we try to do as much stuff as we can in-house 
makes sense, especially with this pandemic and, and just budget-wise, I imagine all that plays into part two. Um, sure, absolutely. Certainly a catchy tune, uh, In Love With The Pain, but me being a radio guy, I love the little uh, radio intro at the beginning, but certainly a, a great video, and it was almost like watching a movie. Were you guys tired of being in videos, or did someone have like a script idea? Or But talk about how that video came to be. Well, what's funny is our, our good friend Mike Rodway, who tours with us and does a lot of uh, photos, and he did our video for My Last Breath and some other stuff, but he was uh, asked by the, our record label to put together uh, a video for in love with the pain and originally they were thinking just they said just use some in-studio footage of the guys because he filmed the whole process of us recording the album they said just do some uh, in-studio stuff and put something together for us to use on social media and Mike was like I had this other idea can I do that and they kind of gave him the rain said, okay, you do whatever you want to do. So Mike is from Maine, and he was up there in Maine and uh, in Massachusetts, and he got some friends together, and he told us, the band, he said, I'm doing this video. I don't want you guys to see it, but it's going to be great. And then he filmed it up there um, over the summer, at the end of the summer. They turned it in, and we were completely blown away. Like, I mean, so we were so proud of him for that, and literally, I, I watched the video back to back, and it's just, it's just, it's like a store, like a little mini movie, you know? Yeah, it got me a little emotional at the end. Like, we're going away on the train. I was like, no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wants to do a sequel to it, so we'll see if we can we can do that, you know? But he's a great filmmaker, a great director, and uh, I'm really proud of him for putting that together. Totally caught my eye and, and wanted to give you a shout-out for that. As we're talking about some of the songs on the album here, Ringing in My Head was kind of one of those that initially sounded like it was kind of written for the pandemic, but truly one of those older riff ideas coming back. Yeah, it was written um, in two- 2017. It was going to be on Family Tree, uh, our last album. And for whatever reason, it didn't make that album. I think uh, it originally had a different second verse on it and some other musical stuff was different about it, but we really liked it. So when it came time for this album, we pulled it back and we were listening to some of the lyrics and we're like, man, this is eerie how much these lyrics make sense in 2020. So in a way, it's like the song knew not to be on that last <laughs> album. You know, it's like it makes sense to be on this one. So I love when stuff like that works out. It wasn't quite ripe yet. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> and then the one I've been playing the most on the radio and the first single out, again, more of that uh, hodgepodge that I was talking about. A bunch of different things coming together to put that song together. Yeah, the, the bridge from that was from a song we wrote in 2007. But really, the lyrics, melody, and the rest of the, the riff and everything was written really in the studio um, as we were recording. We, that song, pieces of it existed, but that song didn't even exist until we got in the studio halfway through. And it was really cool how it just came together. And I love being in the studio and stuff like that happens because you just get really creative and, and you're able to, to write a song uh, around one section of an older song. And then you have, all of a sudden, there's your first single. And so it's just really cool how that can work work out sometimes kind of crazy the dichotomy like looking at those two songs like again and how that kind of came to be versus like another song like ringing in my head which was kind of done and been put on the shelf and not now and then it's kind of weird how you can have both sides of the equation like a song that was pretty much done before but not released and then you touch that one up and then another one that's a bunch of parts of other songs and write it in the studio and make that magic happen interesting how many different ways you can catch lightning in a bottle i guess that's exactly right <laughs> and a studio is a great place to do that one to talk about the live stream live from the sky and and i'm curious to learn about that was it a lot harder to put together a, a live stream or was there any hesitation in doing it or or you know uh wanted to learn about putting that whole show together definitely wanted to do something for our fans globally you know um so 
instead of doing like a uh, an actual live stream like a lot of bands have been doing which is great we decided to do we're calling it a broadcast concert almost like a pay-per-view so we filmed it two weeks ago at a beautiful theater in Bowling Green, Kentucky called the Sky Pack and of course we had a, a Mike uh, Rodway who did In Love With The Pain he uh, directed it and we had some great great camera guys and we recorded it uh, audio and video and it's being edited right now and it'll come out on October 30th the day the album comes out so people can watch a show and it costs 10 bucks for a virtual ticket um, they can watch a show from their house and jam out to the new album and it was really cool for us to do it this way versus doing like a, a live stream you know because sometimes the live streams we didn't want to lose you can lose connection or it can kind of buffer or something because you're, you're streaming live you know plus with the different time zones we have so many fans across the world that you know we want to make something accessible so people can watch this at the luxury whenever they, they want to so the venue that you played at did you have fans in attendance no it was an empty room okay. um, a beautiful theater but it was an empty audience and we kind of set up like in a circle in a way or like a horseshoe almost like we would in our practice house like if we were writing or, or just jamming with each other so it's kind of a it's a definite full-on energetic show but almost kind of personal too you know that's what I was gonna say was it was it did it feel like just going through band practice or was there some like you know dad jokes worked in between the songs or anything <laughs> like that or there were a few jokes but uh, you know it was like a it was like a band rehearsal jam but with the energy of a, a live performance. I love it, man. You know, it's it's funny because I, that has been the trend over the this year is every time someone puts out an album, then there's that live stream show to go with it. And initially I was thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe Blackstone Cherry's going to wait. Maybe they're going to wait till we flip the calendar to 2021 and then they can do like a 20th anniversary celebration kind of live stream thing. And I guess you could still do that at this point, too. Is there any thought towards that? Um, maybe possibly. I mean, you know, with us, you know, nothing is off the table. But we're looking at all opportunities and just to get out there and, and do something and, and make the best of what we can. And that's the reason we wanted to put out the album in 2020 is to give not only ourselves something to look forward to, but our fans something to look forward to this year. You know, and uh, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we went with the decision to release it this year because it's given us a, a little light at the end of the tunnel to talk about something positive. Put on an album, a great rock album like yours, and just sit back and drown out the rest of the world and just press play and let it roll and you know you're going to have a good time with it. That's good escape from reality. That's exactly right. And uh, it looks like you guys have been having some fun with the uh, the cherry chats and talking to the road crew again. Must have been feeling like old times and talk about putting those together. Yeah, the cherry chat was cool. We did that... Uh Back in the spring, summer, and essentially it was just something fun again for us to do to engage with our not only you know each other and then our fans and then yeah just to get to talk to some some friends and bands that we've toured with over the years and we had our crew on there it was just a really cool thing and you know fans could ask questions and whatnot and again it was just another way to um, engage with people while we couldn't be on the on the road anyway to stay connected and and out there and you know speaking of that I wanted to, wanted to uh, give you a chance to talk about uh, Surf Monster Apparel and kind of learn how that. Uh, uh, came to be and really cool to see Alice Cooper rocking some Surf Monster gear too. Yeah, man, that was so cool. Surf Monster is a cool thing that my wife and I started back in the summer, and it, you know, it was a, one of those silver linings of, of 2020 to go. It's something I've always wanted to do, but you know, normally on the road, I wouldn't have any time to dedicate to something like that. So I said, well, if I'm not going to be able to tour this year, I'm going to put some focus into something else. So um, we did, and it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, Alice super supportive. Him and his family are just the coolest of cool. And how did you connect with him? I also saw a picture of you rocking out, playing schools out with him. Are you friends from the road like talk about your relationship with the Koopmeister 
Well, we did a tour together. Um, um, Blackstone Cherry opened up for Alice Cooper last September and October all throughout Europe. And the last night, he had us get up and do uh, schools out with him in Holland. And it was the coolest thing. I mean, that tour was literally one of my favorite tours we've ever done. I mean, isn't that kind of like the gold standard? Don't you just look at him and go, God, I hope to be in my 70s and still doing it at, and at such a high level like he still does. I have said that several times. I said, man, if I could be in anywhere close to what you're doing, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here. I would be happy with that. It's somewhere in that vicinity. Ben, I appreciate all the time. Last couple of things I wanted to hit you with, and, and certainly you being a guitar player and, and talking about legends and a guy that we lost uh, just too too soon. And But uh, R.I.P. E.V.H. and kind of wanted to learn from a professional like you. Help explain his brilliance to everyone. Well, I think it's uncomprehendable, really. I mean, you look at all the things that uh, to, to a guitar player, all the different things that guitar players love, and then you look back to, it's almost like Elvis Presley. It all started, you know, a lot of stuff started with Elvis, you know, and you look at Eddie Van Halen on the guitar, it's like the finger tapping, the, the saturated amps, the 5150 amp, it, everything it started with him, and it was just amazing. And, you know, whether you're a Van Halen fan or not, if you play music, or especially guitar, you're influenced by him whether you know it or not. You know, and it's just it's just the way it is. And he was such an innovator, and I think his influence obviously is going to carry on for eternity, but I think maybe even more so now. I think, you know, it's, just, it's crazy to think that, but I think now more attention has been brought to it, maybe to some younger players that weren't familiar with him. His, uh, his influence and legacy will be here for decades to come. Yeah, it's crazy to think about, like, the technicality and the finger tapping and all that, to writing the powerful love ballads to the gear he created. Like, he, he did it all. Yes, he did. Do you have a favorite uh, Van Halen uh, song or riff, or, or what do you think of when you think of Eddie? Uh, my, one of my favorite Van Halen songs is probably Panama. I just love that. you know. But right now, too, I'm a big... Uh, it's weird because I love Panama, but I prefer the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen. So there's so many classics. It's hard to pick, but I love right now and then riff-wise Panama. Yeah, you know, that was my next question. I was going to say, are you Van Hagar, Van uh, Van Halen, you know, Roth or Hagar? Because I'm kind of with you, too. I mean, you can't take away those party vibe songs with Roth, but but certainly Hagar could belt him out. Yeah, I just prefer, you know, I've always preferred Sammy's vibe and voice, you know. And another guy that's in his 70s and still doing it at such a high level. Yeah, Sammy Hagar is the man. He is out there killing it, and again, it's just, you know, he loves playing live music, and that's keeping him, that's keeping him young, so I love that. Yeah, I love it. Ben, I appreciate all the time. Last last couple things for you, since we're kind of geeking out about being fans about music, wanted to throw bands into a little category and kind of make your pick your favorite out of the bunch. And wanted to go back to more of the 90s, since we were talking about the 80s with Eddie and um, Van Halen, go into the 90s for a second, early 90s and, and rock and roll and kind of what was dominating for what I've lovingly entitled the Flannel Five. So I want to kind of right. go back to these bands and not that any of them could tour or anything, but I'm curious to learn your favorite out of the following five. Need to know your numero uno out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, STP, AIC, or Soundgarden? Soundgarden. Tell me why. Tell me why. Is it Chris? Is it is it Kim? What is it? Yeah, I mean, obviously Chris Cornell's voice is, is one of my favorite voices of all time. And then I, I just love their vibe, their energy, the riffs. They had just such a cool thing about them. And I just always preferred them. I just preferred their melodies and just the sound of their albums. So they've always been my go-to as far as the 90s stuff. I'm not a musician or anything, but to kind of learn after the fact how much writing Chris did and how, how many like odd time signatures and stuff he was doing, not only writing and playing guitar and singing over these odd time signatures. Yeah, he was definitely an innovator himself, you know, doing stuff that wasn't hadn't been done yet. Well, Ben, I appreciate all the time. One last question. Get outside of music for one second, kind of a fill-in-the-blank the question. 
And it goes like this. When it comes to blank, I spare no expense. What's the one thing you got to have? Like something, is it is it a, a bourbon or, or a, a scotch or is it barbecue? What's like your one thing outside of music? What's your go-to thing outside of music? Oh, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I mean, I love a good Mexican restaurant. So I guess I would say probably I love a good margarita. So I won't spare any expense for a good one of those. Ah, are, are you more taco or burrito guy? Um, I'm a fair game guy, but probably a street taco. Street taco. Okay, so you want the soft, the corn tortilla. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got tons of that in Cali. Next time when you're in Cali, I'm sure that's one of the things you look forward to whenever you get to tour in California is getting some good Mexican oh, food. Absolutely. They're delicious. It makes me hungry right now talking about it. Really. <laughs> Is there any California spot when you're on, on the road, you're like, yes, I get to go to blank when it come when it comes to touring in California? Um, I'm trying to, well, last time we were out and we played the whiskey, there's the, the speaking of taco places, the Pink Taco, which is a, obviously a, a West Coast chain out there. First time I went to one was in Las Vegas, but they have one right there, right off of, um, right down from the whiskey. But I love that place. Pink Taco is a great uh, little taco chain there. Love that. Love it. Ben, I appreciate all the time. Absolutely, brother. Take care of yourself. Be safe, Ben. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967, and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.